you'd like to follow along, you might turn to page 855 and 856 in your Red Pew Bibles. The reading of the Word comes from Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 through 38 and 46 through 49. The Word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at that saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, Mm. and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Thanks be to God. On the inside of your bulletin is our memory verse for this morning. If you look there for just a second, it's, it's one of the shorter ones that we've had. Uh, those words of the angel Gabriel to Mary are these, for nothing will be, I love that future tense, for nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 1.37, would you say that with me? For nothing will be impossible with God. Luke one. 37. Would you say it one more time? For nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 1, 37. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you for children like Mary who lead us into a deeper understanding of who you are. God, we believe that you chose her not because of her worthiness, not because of anything that she had said or done or even not said or done. But God, because she was a willing vessel who was more interested in your glory than hers. God, thank you for this Advent season. Thank you for the hope that it represents for so many, God. Not only of of time spent with loved ones and, and celebrations of the deepest truths of our faith, but God, also for the promise that it holds of your coming again. God, is it possible after all these many Advent seasons, God, is it possible that you 
could use this one to, to touch us, to speak to us, to be present with us in a new and fresh way? Is, is it possible, God, that we could look to your second coming during this holy season, God, and be transformed by that hope? I thank you for the Marys. I thank you for the Zacharias. I thank you for the Annas. I, I thank you for the saints who have gone before us, looking not to the present situation with all its darknesses, but, Father, instead looking to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So, God, we add our bodies to theirs. We add our souls to theirs. God, we unite our spirits to theirs and say to you, Emmanuel, God with us, be lifted up this Advent season. And Lord, we will trust you that, that no matter what our impossibilities, we'll trust your word that all things are possible with you. Glory be to God. Amen. We're going to continue in worship as we receive our offerings and our sacrificial gifts. Children, you are welcome right now if you would like to join your uh, fellow friends in the back. If you'd like to, you're welcome to stay with your families as well for worship. Um, Teachers, if you would make sure to bring them back in time for communion, we would appreciate that so much. Let's continue in worship together.
I invite you, if you choose, um, pull out the notes if you'd like to follow along or um, open your heart again to God's word. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts today would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I, I love coming to the Christmas story. I have to confess that a week before um, we get to Christmas, I am just not ready for it. I am just not ready, but something, maybe it's the Deck the Wall celebration last Sunday. Maybe, you know, I, I think I do know, um, as, as my family gathers and, and we bust out the tree and we begin to put memories of 33 years of marriage together, you know, on that tree, um, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done. And I'm filled with hope for what he'll do in the future, right? The same God who has been with us in the past will be with us in the future as well. But I have to confess, like like Mary, this probably 14-year-old Girl, I'm overwhelmed sometimes with the way that God proves himself glorious. We've looked at this story before. Many people call it the Annunciation. That, that time when Mary became aware that God was going to do something powerful in her life. And, and, and I, I love the word of God because it's so authentic. I mean, it didn't, it didn't just make some religious ceremony out of it. I mean, she, it's very real. Like Zechariah before her, when Gabriel shows up, you notice, right? When holiness uh, comes into your presence, you notice. And, and, and we didn't study the passage together, but, but just a, a, a brief time before, six months before, Gabriel had, had shown up at the at the house of John the Baptist and, and told them what his role, told Zechariah and Elizabeth what his role would be. And, and, and they, like Mary, were frightened and overwhelmed and trying to put together in, in their minds and hearts, what are you doing, God? What are you up to, right? And you've got to remember that, that Mary is um, struggling. She's in one of the poorest areas of a not-so-wealthy country and, and struggling to make ends meet. As we saw last year when we studied this passage, um, it looked like life was finally coming together. It looked like, like um, that, that she would be betrothed. She was betrothed to Joseph. And it looked like, well, he had probably a stable job as a tecton, as a, as a stonemason. And, and, and it looked like maybe, just maybe, she might be able to know what her future holds. It was so wonderful to see our daughter Chelsea uh, and Jordan and, and um, Naomi this last Thanksgiving. And, and it reminded me of when Chelsea first uh, learned uh, that she would be betrothed to, to, uh, to Joseph. It, it, it was transformative. I'm not, I'm not trying to be sexist or something as saying that every woman needs a man. Not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that she was transformed when she knew that she would be loved. When she knew that God had heard her cry, it, it was transformative for her. And, and so I say all this because of what happens next. Then 
you know, Mary just at the moment when she understood her future and found some, some brief security in understanding her future, then God shows up and Gabriel makes another appearance six months later. There's only three times when Gabriel shows up in the scripture that I'm aware of. Maybe you can help me. But one, the first time was in Daniel when, when Daniel was praying and Gabriel came and, and said, God, here's your prayer. And he says, Daniel, I want you to know how beloved of God you are. And this is going to look different, Daniel, than you think it's going to look. But I want you to know that God hears and that he loves you and is going to work through you, Daniel. And then he shows up in Zechariah's life and turns his world upside down. And then he shows up six months later in, in Mary's life. Oh, when he showed up for Zechariah's life, Zechariah had some questions. And honestly, he had, it appears that he had some serious doubts about what he was experiencing. And, and, and Gabriel said, I stand, not I have stood or I will stand. He said, I stand in the presence of God and this is what will happen. So now that same glorious angel or even archangel shows up in a 14-year-old's life and, and says, God chooses you. God chooses you. Turned your world upside down. And I'm guessing that maybe in, in some ways you can understand that. Because maybe there was a time when, when you got a phone call and turned everything upside down. Maybe, maybe you got a letter or a bill, or you got something in the mail and it turned everything that you thought was true upside down. Maybe you had a hard conversation with someone who is very close to you, very precious to you, and, and it turned your world upside down. I'm guessing that you understand completely what it's like to have your world turned upside down. Well, what do you do? What do you do when God turns your world upside down? This is a rich passage, and I commend it to you in, in the coming week to go back and take it just, just almost verse by verse or paragraph by paragraph. I just know that God will meet you and bless you in that as you do. But maybe just to jumpstart your hunger for this truth. What do you do when your world is turned upside down? I want, to, I want to just count to three with you. One, two, three. I want to give you one powerful realization. I want to give you two life-changing truths from God's Word today. And then I want to look at this precious young woman and, and see three amazing responses. Okay? One powerful realization. It's probably the one that many of you had. Over the last week, I love it that in American culture, Thanksgiving comes right before um, Christmas, right? right? Thanksgiving comes before praise, which comes before adoration. Um, and, and, and I'm grateful for that. But Mary had this amazing, I'm jumping in the scripture all the way to the end of our passage, to 49. Did you see what Mary said? She says, God has done great things for me. Now keep in mind that nothing's changed. She's still poor, right? She's still 
living in one of the poorest areas here. She's still not certain about her future, and she just has been told that she's going to become pregnant out of wedlock, right? It looks like her world is upside down, but she instead chooses to realize, to bring to the forefront of her mind this truth. God has done great things for me. I love going to the... um, I happened to chaplain at, at Hamilton Point nursing home two hours a week and and at Thanksgiving they always want to sing count your blessings right name them one by one count your blessings see what God has done and and it always blesses me because I'm I'm always living in the future I'm always thinking about tomorrow I'm always wondering will God be faithful and and the call of that hymn and the call of Mary's realization is to realize already he has been faithful. And he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He doesn't change. So, so she anchored herself in this realization that God has done great things for me. And that won't ever change. But I love within this passage, too, and there are many more, but I just chose two to accent today. There's also two life-changing truths. Remember when, when Gabriel first showed up, what he said? I know it went by fast in the Scripture. But, but what he said, Hail, highly favored one. Right? Hello. You are highly favored of God. I know that sounds a lot like the fiddler on the roof things. God, can't you favor somebody else, right? If this is what favor. Um, but God says, no, you, you can't possibly see or understand how precious you are to me. How favored you are to me. But then he says these words. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The presence of God transforms any circumstance you find yourself in, right? We have accented, we've highlighted, we've come back again and again to this reality that that life is not easy and it doesn't all of a sudden become simple and easy when you choose to follow Christ. We've, We've accented the reality that oftentimes it becomes harder than It becomes harder then because it's much easier just to shut down and believe God doesn't exist than it is to believe that that God is with you when your world has been turned upside down. But that's the message. That's the powerful, life-changing truth that Mary understood. The Lord is with me. And beloved, I'm guessing that you may need that word today too. The Lord is with you. Don't confuse your circumstances with the reality of God's truth. In fact, God has lead you into those circumstances so that He can prove Himself glorious. The life-changing truth that the Lord is with you. But then, but then again, the one that we all quote and, and we anchor ourselves in our memory verse for today. For with God, nothing shall be impossible, right? Remember that impossibility that you 
brought to mind just a few moments ago? God says nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible. So when you anchor yourself in this reality that God is with you, he will never leave you or forsake you, and that all things are possible for him as you uh, meld your identity with his, as you begin to live in his perfect plan for your life, God proves himself glorious, even in amazingly challenging situations. Chad, you were sharing with me one of those situations, do you remember? Just a couple of weeks ago. God provided in a way that you never expected. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that with us? Come here for a second. He's desperately trying to remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> it sometimes, sometimes God's provisions for us are imminently, I'm going to do this without strangling you, imminently practical, um, right? And, and uh, your work situation changed in the last couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about what you're sharing with me. Would you do that? Yeah, I just... Um you know, we've been having a lot of uh, IT is a stressful, stressful thing. It's a, you know, and it's often a, it's a firefighting type job. So it's a thankless job. Usually, you know, you hear from people when their stuff is broken. Um, but um, by the way, can you say afterwards for I got a computer problem? Up, so. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I punched out right before I came in. Did you? Um, but uh, but anyway, um, we've had some stressful situations at work and. Out of all that stress, uh, God just brought uh, extra tremendous provision for, for my family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, pr- being promoted at work is one thing, but, but really when, when you tie it to your faith and you look at it as um, God providing for your family. Uh, and, you know, I was sharing with Dave, just there are months where that, the tithe check uh, is, is hard to write, you know. It's, it's hard to write, and especially this time of year. But there's all kinds of other other things that can take your money, um, but uh, but God just pro- continues to provide tremendously through my employer, and it's mm-hmm. just uh, it's really cool to see God uh, be faithful to His word and to provide for my family as we trust Him with our financial um, stability. Uh, so yeah, God is really good. Oh my goodness! Would you reach out to our Chad? God, thank you for this man. Your word says that those who honor you, you will honor. And even when he couldn't see provision, God, even when he has yet to see answers to some of the prayers, God, that he's asking of you, you prove yourself glorious. Thank you for this very physical and even financial provision for him. God, thank you for the increase in the influence that he's going to have over the people that work for Trader Brothers. We just pray your anointing on his life. We pray your anointing on his family. We pray your anointing on his marriage. And God, would you prove yourself glorious in all the impossibilities of his life. And we'll give you the praise, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I won't call her up because she would let the air out of my tires and then shoot me. But um, many of you have been praying with Bonnie for her son, Tom. And I talk about impossible situations. Uh, you know, you know the impossibilities that he faced with, with the pancreatitis attack that he had. And we're not done, by the way, in any stretch of the imagination. But, but God heard our cry and he saved Tom's life. And, and Tom is improving day by day. Glory to God. Another, 
And, and Bonnie, I know that that wasn't the only impossibility in your life. I know that, that there are many impossibilities in your life still. But God, that was future tense, right? With, with God, nothing will be impossible. And so we're just going to believe that with you. And I don't know um, the impossibilities in your life, but I know God. And I know he proves himself faithful. And so I just invite you, risk crying out to him in your impossibilities. Risk verbalizing, even if it sounds like doubt. I honestly, to this day, after 40 years of walking with Jesus, I still can't completely identify the differences between Zechariah's response, a lack of faith, and, and Mary's response in faith. But I just invite you to trust and believe and to respond. So we had one powerful realization that God has done great things for me. Mary said, we've seen two life-changing truths out of many life-changing truths that are there. The Lord is with us, right? He'll never leave us or forsake us and nothing is impossible with God. But I want you to see three responses that, that Mary had as a result. First, when, when the angel explained, and over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll drive deep into the explanation of who this child would be. We'll look at that together. But when she heard how God would do this, that the Holy Spirit would overcome her, and, and, and the Holy Spirit would become the father. Oh yeah, he'd still have Joseph uh, as his earthly father, but Mary had not been with Joseph. She became pregnant by the Holy Spirit so that this child would be completely human and at the very same time completely God. This would be the Messiah who would come to save his people. And, and when she understood that, I want you to see the physical thing here. And this is just astounding. If, if indeed she was 14 years old or so at this time, she says, let it be to me according to your word. Let my physical life be found in accordance with your word. She offered herself. And, and twice in our passage, she calls herself a bondservant. She uses a very particular word, doulos or plural douloi. She uses this, this word bondservant, someone who willingly chooses to serve, willingly chooses to enslave themselves to some greater person or thing. And she says, I am your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. It had very, very physical ramifications. If you're going to, Alex, if you're going to be obedient to God, you've got to go to that pagan university, Ohio State University. Sorry, I could not resist that. There are godly people. I understand. Now, I know there's two godly people at Ohio, uh, Ohio State University. But, but you had to go. You had to put your body there. Um, you had to physically respond. And I'm guessing that in your impossibilities, God's going to ask you to trust and he's going to ask you to physically respond. But it doesn't end there. She also said, and my soul... 
magnifies the Lord. In other words, your soul is, is the essence of who you are. And Mary is saying, I, in my, in my deepest self, am going to choose to magnify Jesus, even if it means minimizing myself. And we've got a front row seat on this when we saw with John the Baptist who made the same choice. He must increase, he said in John 3.30, and I must decrease. Mary says, I'm going to choose to let my life be the lens through which Jesus Christ is magnified rather than diminished. So her body is involved. Her soul is involved. And then finally she says, and my spirit is going to choose to rejoice in God my Savior. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, You are made of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Every single one of those she surrenders to God. She surrenders her body to serve Him. She surrenders her soul to magnify Him. And she surrenders her spirit to rejoice in Him. And remember that as we rejoice, God is, God is enthroned in the praises of His people. And as we find our ultimate delight and joy in Him, He is most glorified. This Christmas, I invite you, serve Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, and you probably, it's going to be in some impossible thing. I could never do what you're asking me to do. I could never go back to that broken family relationship, Pastor Dave, and 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 apologize and surrender and and find reconciliation. I can never go to that strange neighbor. Don't you know, Pastor David, they bring drugs out of that house, right? I can never go across the street. Or I can never go across the country. Or I can never go, I can't find them fast enough, or across the world. They're there. Across the world. I could never do that. Choose. Choose to do that. Choose to surrender your body, your soul, and your spirit. And when you do, you're going to add your voice to a chorus, now not of myriad angels, but of human beings who have said, I am going to magnify Jesus. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm going to have him be glorified in my life. God, thank you for my sisters and brothers. Thank you for the Marys. Thank you for the Zechariahs, God. Thank you for the ones whom you speak to through your word and invite to surrender our bodies, our souls, and our spirits to your glory. We confess, like Mary, we can't see how it's going to play out. But we also confess in faith, God, that we don't need to know how it's going to play out because we trust you. So now, God, having our hearts purified by faith, having our sins forgiven through confession, we come to your table and ask you, fill us with grace. We believe that this bread and this cup represent the grace of God. And as we by faith partake in it, that we real spiritual grace is given to us to accomplish even what seems impossible. So take this simple bread, would you, Lord? And this simple cup and make them the sacrament of Holy Communion, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And Jesus, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory in Christ's precious name. Amen.
Well, our servers, please come forward and sit in the front pews if you would. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given it to his disciples, he said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. In other words, there's a very physical component to this, right? Do this. Partake of this bread. She's got sourdough bread. And I'm going, oh, wow. It smells wonderful. (laughs) Jesus smells wonderful on you. Do this in remembrance of him. Do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We broke the old one through our sin. But God knew that would happen. And before the foundation of the world, he set apart his son to reconcile you to God. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, he says, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul said, this is our first act of worship, right? This is our first act of bringing glory to God. Whenever we do this, we bring glory to Jesus. So I invite you. We're going to receive um, this sacrament today by distribution. And it means that the bread is going to come to you first. And, and we invite you when the bread comes to, uh, to take it. And when you are ready, when you are ready to partake of it as a sign of, of Jesus' love for you. He loved Zechariah. He loved Daniel. He loved Mary. It was a very, very intensely personal thing. But then if you would, when the cup comes, if you would retain that cup until all have been served, and then we'll partake of that together, saying that he loves us together as well. Is that okay? If for any reason you're unable to um, receive these, just raise a hand. Our elders will see that, and they will make sure that you get exactly what you need as a result. Bill and Cheryl, if you will serve.